This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 243. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. Well, this week on the show, we're going to talk to Mr. Philip Duff, who is, among other things, Director of Education at Tales of the Cocktail. Well, we continue to talk about Tales of the Cocktail as it became official last week, uh, mid-February 2018, that Gary Solomon Jr., with support of his family, and Neil Bodenheimer of Cure and Cannon Table have taken over leadership of Tales. The New Orleans Culinary and Cultural Preservation Society, which was in the past a nonprofit, but, well, it was complicated. Anyway, it will be, according to the press release, quote, rebranded as Tales of the Cocktail Foundation and has committed to giving $250,000 to causes that support the spirits community in its first year, end quote. We spoke to Gary Solomon and Neil Bodenheimer about all this on show number 241, just two episodes ago. There's a unique opportunity here is that the Tales is such an amazing platform for the industry, but by having this this nonprofit and a grant system for industry-related items, you know, you'll not, you know, we'll be able to talk about something in that platform and then turn around and and put it to action with funding. I think Tales is really in good hands now, and this is a positive move. As I mentioned, we'll talk more with uh, more about Tales of the Cocktail with Philip Duff a little later in this episode. First, I want to thank some great people that chose to help support this podcast. As I mentioned on the previous episode, uh, just one episode ago, that was number 242, uh, my family suffered, suffered a devastating loss recently. Things are pretty complicated right now. I have a special needs son that all of a sudden eh, there's... I have a special needs son, and all of a sudden, there's one less parent to take care of him. So I won't be returning to my bartending gig for a while. I kicked off the uh, Patreon campaign to help support this show. I want to thank Zeke from Chicago, Ryan PM, who goes as Pooch. Also, our friend David Eden Sangwell from the Bartender HQ podcast. Dylan Hazel, who helps me out in so many ways with this show. And the Gnarly Gnome from the Cincy Brewcast. That's a podcast about the Cincinnati craft bar scene. I also want to thank Dan and Leonardo for helping out. If you'd like to help support this podcast, go to bartenderjourney.net slash Patreon. There you can hear the pre- previous episode with more details and find a link to the Patreon campaign. Thank you so much. On with the show. Let's do a cocktail of the week. St. Germain brand ambassador Marlo Garma got, turned me on to this one. It's an upside-down martini with a, spra- a splash of St. Germain. You'll use two ounces of a good quality dry vermouth. Make sure it's a fresh bottle, too. You don't want an old vermouth. It goes bad, you know. Uh, one ounce of gin, quarter ounce of St. Germain elderflower liqueur, and uh, stir that up and with ice. Pour it into a chilled uh, cocktail glass, a martini glass, or a coupe. And uh, garnish with the lemon twist. Express the oils from the lemon twist and dump that twist in there. It's delicious, low ABV, and uh, it's a good drink. That leads us into our book of the week. And once again, Hazel is taking care of that segment for us. Hi, Bartender Journey fam. It's Hazel Alvarado with this week's book of the week, How to Drink French Fluently, A Guide to Jour de Vivre with St. Germain Cocktails by Drew Lazor with contributions by Camille Ralph Fidel, also known as Madame St. Germain. Now, this book actually launched last year with a party at Maison Premiere, a great little spot in Brooklyn, and we finally caught up to reading it, and it was quite fun. First, the book itself is a hardcover and beautifully designed, so we'll add a bit of class to your bookshelf, whether it's at your work bar or your home bar. And the photographs by Lizzie Monroe are gorgeous, featuring not only classic beauty shots of cocktails, but also action shots of the cocktails being crafted and served. But we know you're not here for us to just recommend cocktail books that look nice. The content is actually laid out in the following chapters. 
brunch, daytime, aperitif, dinner, and nightcap. And the next page lists the index of cocktails in case you just want to go straight to the specs. Each section features a brief analysis of the culture and palate of each time of day with many sections such as the brunch life, the day drinker's palate, aperitif hour in America, pairing cocktails with food, and anatomy of a nightcap. It ends with an extra treat of a section featuring syrups and more. How to Drink French Fluently will make a fun addition to your library. Visit our blog for this episode on bartenderjourney.net and click on the link to purchase. Thanks for listening, Bartender Journey fam. And Sante. Thanks, Hazel. Hey, our sponsor this week is Shaker and Spoon, and they're out of Brooklyn, New York, and they uh, it's kind of like the blue apron of cocktails. So they'll send you a box, and you, all you have to add is one bottle of booze, and you can make four cocktail, three different cocktails, four portions each, and uh, all you have to add is one bottle of booze to whatever's in the box. So I just got my first box. It's really cool. It's uh, it's about a f- what about twelve inches by eight inches or something? But it's heavy. It's heavy for it's for the size of the box. So we're gonna open it up. I always thought those reveal videos were kind of funny on the uh, you know on YouTube or whatever the tech open the box thing. I never watched one all the way through. I don't think, but we'll we'll open this together and uh, see what's inside. So we got some, oh, I know about this. Grady's Cold Brew New Orleans Style Iced Coffee Concentrate. That's the first thing we see. What else do we got in here? We got Southern, oh, this is Southern Teague. Southern's Spiced Hot Cocoa Mix. Okay, so what happens is they, they go out and they get recipes from uh, bartenders like Southern Teague and Pam Wiz and all these other people who, uh, you know, famous bartenders around who create recipes for shaker and spoon and uh they come up with these recipes so what else we got in here oh we got some coca-cola the uh the real stuff from mexico you know with the real sugar you know about that like the the coke you buy here is uh high fructose corn syrup in the states but uh the the stuff with the real sugar is what you really want so what else we got in here little pineapple juice little can of pineapple juice that's cute actual lemons Ooh, beautiful lemons, by the way. <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention on the outside of the box, it says, boy, I sure wish I were in the fridge right now. <laughs> so that must be for the produce that's in here. We got another lemon. It's chili demerara syrup. So this is a simple syrup with chilies in it. Interesting. And oh, so we got another lemon. What else have we got? This is another syrup, toasted coconut syrup. So, uh... I think that's everything. Nope. Wait, there's more. Oh, another lemon. <laughs> we got four beautiful lemons here. Very beautiful lemons. Oh, there's more. We got another syrup here. Refrigerate after opening. Lemon grapefruit oleosaccharum sour. Ooh, yum. That sounds good. I love grapefruit oleosaccharum. It's amazing. Wait, there's more. Uh, we got another one. Another syrup here. Strawberry mint shrub. Oh, it's not a syrup, it's a shrub. Nice. All right, I think that's everything now. Nope, wait, there's something else. <laughs> it's got like that, that stuff like uh, is in your Easter basket, you know? <laughs> okay, this looks like, oh, orange oil, beautiful. Wow, this little tiny spritzer bottle of orange oil, that's so cool. So uh, the, the last thing will be all the recipes. So it'll tell you how to make all these different drinks. And uh, so we'll have to add one more thing, which is the, uh, the, the spirit itself. 
and uh, oh, I think I think uh, in this, normally you buy one bottle of let's say bourbon or rum or whatever the the, the theme is that month, but uh, in this case it's uh, it's a Maro. The shaker and spoon kits are great for when you have guests or an impromptu cocktail party. In fact, we'll be using the Kiss Me um, Whiskey box for an Irish whiskey cocktail party in, uh, in honor of St. Patrick's Day. Look for details later this week on our Facebook page. And uh, Hazel's going to be doing like a live uh, Facebook thing with that box. And if you'd like to join us as we make the cocktails, visit shakerandspoon.com. Spell out the word and, shaker and spoon. And use the discount code bartender for $20 off. Place an order by March 2nd to get this as your first box, the whiskey. Kiss me on whiskey box for St. Patrick's Day. All right, let's talk to Philip Duff. How's that? That's perfect. Level's good. Check, check. I think we're good. Well, thank you for meeting me, Mr. Philip Duff. I appreciate your uh, support, always. Always a pleasure, Brian. And uh, so you're doing, oh, you're doing the dry January, aren't you? I am. I only do it to annoy my friends (laughs) who uh, know that it has no health benefits, really. It's (laughs) it's just pure cantankerousness at this stage. (laughs) Well, good for you. Maybe next year for me. It makes your (laughs) drinks taste so much better. That first drink on the 1st of February is like the best drink ever. I can imagine. Uh, Yeah, it's a bottle that a friend sent to me. It's Villa Lobos, 10 years old. So it's La Altania tequila, the same distillery as Excelia and Ocho and El Tesoro. But the tequila comes out and it's uh, oxidized in stainless steel. So it's aged in stainless steel, then it's aged in a barrel for 10 years. It's amazing. It's an extra ultra anejo. I wow. can't wait to open it. I bet. I've kind of put amazing. it in the back of the cabinet so I don't see it every day. Yeah, right. But I made a note in my calendar, <laughs> drink tequila, February the 1st. Uh, what about uh, Geneva? You've launched your own brand, yeah? Yes, Old Duff Geneva is out in the world. It's been really well received. I'm very grateful to all my friends. The first order that ever came in was from the Nomad. The second one was 11 Madison Park. Wow. Uh, I'm also proud you can get it in real bartender bars like Swift and Basic. It's on the menu at the Rain's Law Room. It's for sale at Astro wine and spirits so uh, I'm really really humbled and grateful for all the support it's got and hopefully 2018 will bring it to an even wider audience that's great well tell anybody who doesn't know much about Geneva can you explain a little bit about uh, history of it and what, what it is and what, where it fits in it's very uh, appropriate you ask that Brian because we're in American whiskey in New yes. York and I like to say that Geneva is unaged whiskey's complex great granddaddy <laughs> uh, it is, of course, also the granddad of gin, but it's probably the grandfather or great, 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 great grandfather of whiskey as well. Hmm. So people have been adding juniper to their beverages for a very, very long time. And uh, juniper distilled spirits were being taxed in Holland already in 1497. Wow. Right? Um, and all those spirits that were being made in Holland, initially they were made with grapes and juniper, then they switched over to grain. It was all about the grain distilling. You really needed to be a grain distiller of the quality of a whiskey distiller to make this delicious thing. And you put in tiny, sparing little amounts of always juniper, and then maybe a couple of other things, like Mm -hmm. some hops maybe, some angelica, uh, some coriander, licorice, that kind of thing. To give you some idea, it really is one-tenth the amount that you would put into a gin. Okay. So... This went along, and botanicals were being used in whiskey in Ireland and Scotland as well, right up into the 1800s. Whiskey always had botanicals, always. Really? Yes. And what happened in my native Ireland and Scotland is that the botanicals went out, and those producers realized one day, hey, if you let this stuff sit in a barrel, it kind of gets good. Mm -hmm. And that was the birth of whiskey as we know it. Geneva continued to be made as it was, typically unaged, uh, sparing amounts of botanicals, all about that delicious uh, grain distillate, which in Geneva terms are called malt wine. 
There's no wine in it. It's a grain right. distillate, multi-grain distillate. Okay. And then England got a Dutch king. Um, must have been like a talent show or, you know, something like that. <laughs> Reality, you know, England's next top monarch <laughs> who was Dutch. And everyone started making Geneva or trying to, trying to. Unfortunately, nobody in England, especially not in London, knew how to distill back then. All the distilling expertise was in Scotland, which was their wild, lawless colony, as dangerous for somebody from London as Afghanistan is now. So nobody knew how to make this delicious whiskey-like grain distillate at the heart of Geneva. So they covered it up with literally 10 to 20 times the amount of botanicals. Uh. And initially, sugar, which is where we get old Tom Gin from. Mm. So... Technically, Geneva is the grandfather of uh, gin, but it's also the grandfather of whiskey, as we know it as well. The written records are much older, and Geneva once outsold gin in America 450 to 1. It was the number one, not imported spirit in America, it was the number one spirit. And what I always liked about it was it was drunk equally in the penthouse and on the pavement. The fancy people drank Jerry Thomas's cocktails and Mr. Willett's cocktails, but the working men drank Boilermakers, beers and shots in the bars as well. So it always attracted me. And after 17 years living in Holland, I was like, you know what? We've got to bring back real Dutch Geneva to America. So I'm glad to have been given that opportunity. That's great. And how do you, how do you see it feeling? fitting in in the Kato? I'm sure bartenders are coming up with all kinds of creative ways to use it. Right. Yeah, all the classics. So it's the original ingredient in the Collins, the original ingredient in the Martinez, the original ingredient in the Holland Gin cocktail. But you're right, everybody loves coming up with their own way. Basic serves it as a shot with a delicious uh, nitro chocolate stout. Jeff Berry just created a really cool drink called a Suriname Swizzle with Old Duff Geneva. Lime, sugar, coconut syrup. So the beach bum berry coconut syrup and some Angostura, which is incredible. Mm. So it's both old and new. And it's one of those things like Mezcal, you just want to work with it. Right, right. Well, great. That, congratulations. That must have been quite a, uh, quite a project, getting that off the ground, I would imagine. Oh, God, yeah. I actually had to get out of my bed and do work and hold myself to <laughs> deadlines. It was everything, everything I do not agree with, but it worked out. <laughs> That's great. Well, we wanted to talk about Tales and Tales 2.0, as we we're calling it. And uh, you, of course, the Director of Education for Tales. And... Um, love to hear your feel your your post uh was very thoughtful about it. tales is us and I, I thought that was a really great post and um just wanted to, for anybody who didn't read it just touch on that a little bit and I, I think it's i think it's well said you know it's kind of tales is kind of a, a a sounding board or something for the larger industry right yeah, I mean, I'm not the official spokesperson of for Tails, yeah. but at the moment there isn't one. <laughs> so, uh, speaking personally on my own account, before any of this, you know, Tails controversies or whatever's happened, I've always been the voice of reason. And it's for a simple reason I hate groups of people, I hate large groups of people. I don't like concerts, or, uh, and the reason I hate those things is that I hate mobs. I'm not sure where it came from. Like, a group of people working, you know, peacefully and sensibly and logically towards a goal is great. But when it turns into a mob, you de-individuate and terrible, awful things happen. So, you know, as, for as long as I've been known to my friends and certainly active on social media, I abhor mobs of all kinds. And obviously, as we know, the Tales controversies got going. Controversies, plural. And many people were rightly outraged, myself included, right? It's certainly not as bad as if you asked a random person off the street and gave them the facts how they'd see it. But I'm sure a lot of people felt betrayed. All legitimate. But then it very quickly turned into a mob. 
a raging, raving mob for whom nothing would be enough, you know? So uh, I said, look, we, we cannot be mobs here. We cannot de-individuate. We have to dare to stand up and say, this is bad. That reaction is going too far. Yeah. I've always said that, and this is uh, one of those situations. Like, there are people, people like writers, uh, prominent bartenders, who said... Adam Paul must step down. And then Adam Paul from Tail stepped down, of course. It's not enough. Adam Paul have to sell their shares. And Adam Paul sold their shares. The deal should be done this week, actually. But it's still not enough for them. Now it's like, no, Tails must end. It must, we must never do Tails again. We must never go back to New Orleans. We'd have to start fresh somewhere else. And that's absurd. Because to answer your question, Brian, this isn't shifting the brain or anything like that, but Tails and every cocktail festival is us. Right? If I go to your cocktail bar on a Saturday night, how many people of color are going to be bartending there? How many differently gendered people? We see tales as this magical thing. We hold it to a standard that nobody can ever uh, uh, achieve. And it's not just tales. It's the wider thing. We want other people to do things, but we're not doing the work ourselves because the work is hard, in fairness, you know? So... I think that the whole thing has made us all very aware of our own shortcomings, you know, and the things that we could do ourselves on a basic level to uh, change the diversity and the influence of our industry. And it's certainly changed things at Tales. But something that I'd like to say is if you compare Tales to a theoretical ideal, then it's failing. If you compare Tales to every other bar show or conference in the whole world, and I say this without fear of contradiction, it has the most diverse and inclusive uh, group of seminar moderators, seminar panelists, uh, the most diverse and inclusive range of people serving the cocktails, by which I mean the, the cocktail apprentices. Nobody even comes close in absolute numbers, but also in percentages. Mm -hmm. And that has been that way for actually quite a long time. And it's been something that I, as education director, have been actively curating, if you will, for the last five years. And that's something that... Doesn't seem to have popped up. Yeah, right. in the, in the uh, controversy. Uh, right. I know it might be me being selfish, like, ooh, education's diverse, <laughs> but it really is. Yeah. Well, the the education's amazing there, and and I'm personally very glad that it's uh, going to continue tales, and it's just an amazing event, and it's 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 also about it's education, it's also celebrating our industry, I think, um, and so it's a time to celebrate what we do and and see friends and new friends and make new friends and uh, and have amazing experiences you know so it's, it's an intense week yeah. i mean you've been there i've been there and it's one of those weird things it gets more intense the more often you go it yeah. doesn't get easier all right because you get to know more people <laughs> in every room you walk into it's got 100 people you know yeah so you're seized by this doubt like fuck who do i say hello to first <laughs> yeah the other 99 are gonna be pissed off <laughs> yeah but something that i think is also good uh in a way about the controversies is Tales has got very, very big. And there's many people who are like, oh, I'm not going to Tales because it's cool. It's like, you know, yeah. it is a, a grind. If you live in New York or San Francisco or London, you probably get to see all those star presenters and, you know, stuff like that all the time. Like in New York, you know, do you need a Dave Wondrich seminar? You can just go and have a drink with Dave at the Long Island Bar, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> but there's a survey every year of visitors by Tulane University after Tales of the Cocktail, and they ask the same questions and release the results every year. It's got nothing, no influence from Tales at all. 49% of the people who visit Tales describe themselves as first-time visitors. Hmm. 
every year. So there will be some people who feel betrayed enough by Tails. It's like, well, I'm not going back to Tails. And that's obviously Tails' loss. You know, Tails will have to prove itself by behavior, not words. But they might not come back, but that will be renewed. Because every year there's another, you know, 49% of people who come and it's like, oh my God. Like, can you remember your first Tails? Yeah, yeah. It's like magical. It. Yeah. No. And every two, three years, there's a new generation of bartenders coming along and they'll get to experience Tails for the first time as well and go back. One of the biggest complaints about from big city bartenders is, oh, it's all consumers at Tails. And it's really not. No. Those people they're calling consumers are just bartenders from other cities that they don't know. They don't know. <laughs> there, are, there are a few that come to, uh, you know, I think they're mostly locals that come to, because uh, it's, I mean, it's a bargain if you think about it, what you get for, uh, you know, you, the, I don't know if the if the structure is going to stay the same, but if you spend a so, certain amount on, on um, seminars, you can taste, go to all these tastings Tasty and everything. Rooms. And, you know, I mean... It's worth it. It's worth it. Worth doing, you know. Just I mean, there's a lot of what Gary Regan called cocktailians, like yeah. the rum people, the rum nerds. These are civilians, yeah, yeah. and they know more right. about rum than you or I right, will ever right. learn. Yeah. You know, the whiskey people, all that kind of thing. And yeah. you know, how can you have a cocktail get together without the consumers? The consumers are part of it. Sure. Uh, one of the best bar shows I went to in 2017 was the Barometer Bar Show in Kiev, and this was a trade show. So not directly comparable to Tales. Tales is built around the education seminars. But it was a trade show and they had a street, two streets of bars, pop-up bars. And everybody could come to the show, consumers too. And you actually bought uh, a charge-up card, a kind of a contactless card. And you bought cocktails from these bars. So as a consumer, you could come there. There were pop-up bars from across Europe, Russia, the Ukraine, uh, some from New York, some from uh, the UK. And you could have these cocktails. They were subsidized, they were about half the price they'd normally okay. be, uh -huh. but this was amazing, and it was better for having consumers there. Sure, absolutely. Well, the, let's talk more about the education, and, and uh, as an education director now, I guess you're starting to go through the, uh, the seminar pitches, which I didn't get mine together in time. Shame, Brian, shame. On me. shame. But uh, <laughs> I got the idea too late. <laughs> oh. But uh, yeah, just... Uh, for people listening, I had the, I finally got. I was trying to come up with an idea for a seminar, and I finally finally came up with the idea with only a couple of days to spare for doing a, a whole seminar about. Well, I don't want to say it because I'm going to save it, save it for next year. Hang on to it. <laughs> I don't want anybody? But to if you steal don't it. say it, somebody somebody else might do it, and you'll be like, oh, uh, that was my idea. Exactly. But uh, so that but this is how it works. If um someone all the seminars are are just people in the industry coming up with ideas, right? And they submit yeah. them, make a pitch. And uh, and it's and it's a great thing, and I, I'm always amazed how many how many I mean how many seminars there are. There, there must be three or four times that submitted, I would suppose. So yes. It's, so it's um, quite a quite a process that you. It it is, and the biggest process is trying to find the ones uh, on topics that haven't been done in the last three years, uh, or. If it has been done in the last three years, it has to be genuinely new information or genuinely new perspectives. It can't be like a rehashed version, mm -hmm. pretty much. Uh, that's tricky. And then trying to balance it between all the categories, as we call the streams. So, you know, bartender career, spirits, history and production, cocktails, you know, all that sort of thing, so that it's not too heavily weighted. That's the real meat and potatoes of my work. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's a there's a moderator that will um, pitch the seminar, and then there'll be two to what is it, three or four um, moderate uh, maximum four panelists, panelists, one moderator. So five people on the stage, max. Right. But you don't need to have five. You could have two. Yeah. Well, theoretically, uh -huh. one, but <laughs> that's rare. 
So that's great. Well, for for bartenders that are trying to, uh, or anyone who wants to go, want, trying to um, sort of supplement their trip, I remember once you posted about uh, if you want to get some brand work, you better start thinking about it way in advance. Or um, yes. what, what are some ways that people can kind of supplement their trip? Because, you know, it, it costs some bucks. It, it definitely costs some bucks. And imagine what it costs like for the 25% of Tails visitors to come from outside the U.S. Wow, Fuck. yeah. 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 Saving up to come from Australia it takes a while. Mm. Um, it's very good that you say this because now is the time. One of the very best ways to supplement your trip to Tails is to get sponsored uh, or to work with a liquor brand. And we always advise people to work with a liquor brand for their seminar proposal, but only where the liquor brand can bring val educational value. Mm -hmm. So if you have a liquor brand that says, oh, I'll sponsor this, you know, da da da, that's great. Mm -hmm. But it won't help your seminar's chances of being accepted, and it won't hurt your seminar's chances either. Mm -hmm. Because the seminar committee, who are the most important stage of evaluation, they don't give a shit if there's yeah. a sponsor or not. Uh -huh. If it gets approved by the committee, right, and mm -hmm. we have, and, and, you know, I can balance it out so I don't have 20 seminars on cocktails and only two seminars on bartender career, then it gets put on whether it has a sponsor or not. Right. And the Tales team will try and find a sponsor. Mm -hmm. But if you're a bartender and... You want to put together a proposal and, you know, whiskey brand X says, well, we'll sponsor it, but we can also like specially distill some samples for you and you can yeah. go in our archives and we'll, you know, do an experiment on a liquid for you. That's mm. educational value. Yeah, the committee right. like that. I like that. That helps. Yeah, yeah. But just having a sponsor. So that helps because you'll work with a sponsor and they'll probably hopefully throw you a few bucks yeah. to supplement the $500 honorarium for the seminar and the fact that moderators are, you know, flown in and out and they get a couple of nights in a hotel. Yeah. Like Tales again, to my knowledge, is the only bar show in the world which offers that honorarium to every single speaker. It doesn't work, matter who you work for. Mm -hmm. The honorarium is actually attached to the seminar. So there's one honorarium of $500 per seminar. Yeah. It's not much, but you yeah. know, if you're a working bartender, this helps defray costs. Yeah. The moderator is flown in and out. Uh, you can usually make it if you book early enough with the flight allowance. You're given a couple of nights in a hotel. And the idea was always that tales would be completely transparent. Didn't matter if you had a sponsor. Anybody can put on a seminar. Right. Yeah. Because what was happening at Tales and what continues to happen at many other shows is if you're a part of that coterie of 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 people, you do all the seminars. I mean, there used yeah, to be people at Tales who had seven seminars. I taught yeah. five one year. It's too much. Yeah. One of my first moves as director was to cut it right the way down. Maximum three appearances in seminars at Tales. So you can moderate three or moderate one and be in the panel at two. That mm -hmm. made me incredibly unpopular sure. with all those influential <laughs> presenters. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because they were doing seven seminars and very often getting paid by seven brands, which is great. Right. But I am on the side of the people who buy tickets yeah. and you need some diversity. Yep. That's great. So, but um, other ways, if you if you if you're not going to be on the panel, are there some other ways we can uh, sort of pay for that, help pay for that trip, or def defray the costs? I should say. Yes, you can <laughs> learn to tap dance and beg on Bourbon Street, but more <laughs> uh, more presciently, um, especially if you're in the U.S. Especially if you're in the U.S. Um, now is the time to start talking to your brand reps, your ambassadors, your brand managers, and saying, "Look, are you doing a party at Tails? I want to work at it." push them, uh, come with concepts and say, look, I can do a pop-up bar or I can do a dynamic duo or I'll take care of all your logistics. So work that angle of it. If you haven't applied to be a cap, now is a good time to do that as well because as a cap, you get uh, an incredible array of benefits and you get the most amazing um, 
network in the world. You get a better network than I have. I'm not uh, even really privy to the cap network. It's yeah. the ultimate uh, the, uh, insiders club. Cocktail, uh, cocktail apprentice program. The cocktail apprentice program. Sorry, I forget. Yeah. Not everybody knows yeah. what it means. But they, they, they work awfully hard too. Yeah, and you might find that uh, if you talk to your bar manager or if you are the bar manager or owner, you can agree something with a liquor brand or with a company. It's like, okay, so if we hit these targets, will you, you know, throw us a few bucks? So, you know, it's six months until July. Yeah. You can hit, and it's the prime drinking season. <laughs> yeah. It's prime season for bars. Uh, if you sell XYZ, will you get XYZ in return? Okay. You know, so... Yeah. Now is the time to do it. And most, you know, what have we got now? Let's say we have 21 weeks till tails and bare bones. You're going to need, what, 300 bucks flight. Uh, you could probably say four nights for about $500. That's 800. You're probably going to spend 100 days. That's 1,200 bucks. You need 1,200 bucks right. and you've got 20 weeks. Mm-hmm. Right, so that's 60 bucks a week. Okay. So how are you going to save 60 bucks a week or earn some portion of that? Right. Now, and now is the time to make that plan. Right, right. Now, now is the time. Whether it's, you know, skipping Starbucks, which we were just bitching, <laughs> bitching about here at the bar, the joys, uh, or, or, you know, it's about, you know, not doing CrossFit, but just running a bit harder yeah. yourself, yeah. or I, do, I don't know what it is. <laughs> but uh, but you work have, it out. Work it out. 60, bu- 60 bucks a week from now until July. Yeah. Well, you you asked about my first tales, and I, I, I remember getting on the plane to come home, and I was like, this is something I need to do every year, and I need to figure out how to make that happen. <laughs> so, it, you know, it just... I'm, I suppose every, every year you do get a bigger network, and you bump into people, and if you go once to tales, you build such an amazing network that if you, if you hustle, you're going to be, you know, getting paid to go there the next year. Yeah, hopefully. Right? Yeah. But... Brands, if you don't already have a relationship with a brand, you can't wait for the brand manager to come into your bar and go, oh my God, Brian, please, yeah. will you accept a <laughs> private jet ride down to New Orleans? We'd just love it if you worked at our party. He's $3,000. Yeah, you know, right. I wish. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you got to you gotta get out there and make hustle. It happen. Make yeah. it happen for yourself. You got to make it happen. That's, that's exactly it. That's a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Tells the cocktail. Make it happen. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure to see you, my friend. Thanks, and Brian. Always here to uh, chat about tales or Geneva or anything else. Yeah. Except coffee because I'm a basic bitch in terms of coffee. <laughs> Black coffee. I'm Black coffee, yeah. sh- cheap from the cart, you know, <laughs> 99 cents. That's, that's me. That's it. Cheers. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. As I said at the beginning of the show, the deal is closed and it's official. Gary Solomon and Neil Bodenheimer have taken over leadership of Tales of the Cocktail. Here's another quote from the press release. Quote, Following Tales of the Cocktail 2018, a grant subcommittee will be formed of representatives from the spirit and cocktail industry who will oversee the donation process and where the funds will be allocated. The organization will strive to increase education, access, diversity, inclusion, while also addressing other issues impacting the industry, including sexual assault and addiction, end quote. Well, it's it's underway, and in fact, Tales in uh, before Tales in New Orleans in July, Tales on tour will be in Edinburgh, Scotland, April seventh through tenth, two thousand eighteen. Tickets are on sale now. 
All right, we'll wrap up for this week. Stand by for our toast. I'll just remind you, my name is Brian Weber. Thanks for listening. I always love hearing from listeners. And thanks to the people that sent nice notes recently. I hope I got back to everyone who wrote. If I missed anyone, please know that I read them all and I really appreciate it. You can find me on Instagram at Bartender Journey. Search for Bartender Journey on Facebook and like that page. You'll like it. You can email me at brian at bartenderjourney.net or use the contact page on bartenderjourney.net. All right, here's our toast. I wish you all the joy you can wish. Cheers. We'll see you next time on the Bartender Journey Podcast. Yeah.